Welcome to Freedom to Choose from Just As I Am Ministries, a nonprofit giving hope to those caught in the devastation of addiction or just overrun by a complicated life. In this series called Could It Be This Simple? The Way Out of Your Prison, you'll learn how the mind works, what motivates our choices, and find biblically-based keys to help your decision-making processes. Rich and Susan Kallenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom over two decades ago from out-of-control lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. Now here's Rich and Susan on Freedom to Choose. Hello, everyone. My name is Rich Collenberg. And my name is Susan Collenberg. And welcome again to Freedom to Choose. And uh, this is program number 20. This is going to be the last one in this series. And uh, we hope that you've enjoyed it. And we, this series, of course, is on, on the book, Could It Be This Simple, The Way Out of Your Prison? And it's a book that uh, I co-authored with Dr. Tim Jennings. And if you want to get a copy of that book, uh, you can give us a call at 916 916- Six four five one two nine seven, or go to our website www.justasiamministries.com. Susan will pack one up and send it out to you. We've got a bunch of them there. So, and the other thing too is that you can listen to the previous programs in this series as well as all of our other program radio programs. Um, we have this hot shot internet guy that takes care of all of our stuff so everything is uploaded and we got a, a nice website there so. yeah so yeah and we want to we want to thank everybody that helps us with our ministry and helps us with our um, just everything we have a a, a wonderful board of uh, a, a board on our ministry and these people just they work really hard and we just want to thank everybody I don't want to start naming names I'm liable to get in trouble or get sued or something so I don't want to do that okay <laughs> Um, Susan, you want to bring in with a word of prayer? Yes. Heavenly Father, thank you once again for um, the opportunity that we have. And we just ask that your spirit be with us to bless our conversation. And may we glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so I just want to um, ask a couple simple, simple questions and try to... I know in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, it talks about not getting rid of old ideas, but just simply laying them aside so that you can look at something objectively. Mm -hmm. And I thought that the way they put that is amazing. In other words, take what you know and lay it aside and let's just look at the facts. And and you do that actually, you know, you even do that in your fourth step when you're writing down resentments and fears and people you've harmed and everything. You want, that's a fact-finding Mission, right? It's and, not based on your feelings. No, and so you want to look based at on facts. facts, right? Yeah, or what you think about your, you know, who you are, or whatever. It's just look at the facts. And so, you know, I started. Actually, I was driving home yesterday, and I just kind of started talking some questions into my phone, and um, so I'm going to ask them here, okay? And then I, I want you to just kind of let's discuss them, right? So. What did Jesus do? How did he spend his life? Was he casting out demons or putting them in? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Was he calming the storm or creating the storm? Right. Did he um, take away someone's sight and make them blind, or did he do something so that they could see? Right. Did he cause someone to be paralyzed, or did he heal the paralyzed? And what did he do to the prostitute? Did he condemn her or did he embrace her? Right. 
And you start to see that Jesus is not the originator of the ugliness. Right. You see that he comes to fix the ugliness. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I, I look at my past and I look at my life and I look at what this man, God, can do in my life if I just get me out of the way. Mm-hmm. You know, because with everyone that he healed, I don't want to say everyone, but a lot of documented times, he walked up and he asked the blind man, what is it you want? You want to see? The blind man says, yes, I want to see my sight. Right. Yeah, I want my sight back. Okay, well, the blind man is the only one on the planet that can answer that question at that time. Right. And if Jesus is asking you right now to come into your heart, you're the only one that can answer that. And I think the, the, um, the euphemism of coming into your heart is, do you want to be restored? Do you want to be made well? Right. Do you want to be made well? Do you want to let him work in your right. life? Right. Do you want to let him go in and go deep? Mm-hmm. Do you want to look at facts about right. your life? Are you ready to let go of all the things that have been have you in bondage? Yeah. Whether it be addictions or, or thoughts or your past or... You With know. me, it's my knee-jerk reactions mm-hmm. of selfishness. Mm-hmm. I am... I, there is something, you know, I mean, I see it, but my brain has been knee-jerk reacting into selfishness so that no matter what happens, I automatically knee-jerk into self-protection mode and then have to hold on, mm-hmm. step back, let's look at a little bit of a bigger picture, and I get a little confused. You know, what's the right thing to do in certain occasions? Because am I being selfish? Am I not? Right. Am I overanalyzing this now, you know? And we can get really crossed up. And I, th- and I think that, you know, like with me, it has to do with shame and, and guilt and and probably mostly shame, I think. You know, you, you live a, you know, from a young age and you acquire shame. Right. And it's very difficult to let that go. To shake it. Right. Because it's, you know, we talked about in the last um, program about how our brains are formed and everything. And right. that becomes a part of your character. And so it's really hard to see things in a different light. Through a different lens, right. through a different prism. And, and so God is saying, set those things aside. Lay them aside. Right. So that's Look what at he, facts. That's what he said to Mary. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yes, I see. You know, you're you're here, you're naked, you've been thrown down by the the pastors in the middle of church at the feet of God. Right. It's, it's a <laughs> tough place. But I'm not condemning you. Right. Your shame is not a part of my relationship with you. Right. That, that's what you have in your own conscience. What I see is a is a someone who has been damaged throughout her life, and someone who I know that if she's given an opportunity, will follow me, and and become one of my best um, disciples. Yep. I mean, we don't don't we think that God one of my best followers. Yes. I mean, don't we think that God doesn't know? what we're going through mm-hmm. and the damage that we're already packing around mm-hmm. by by our being self-protective. And of course, you know, we inherited that from the Garden of Eden, right? Right. right. Adam changed his brain from a loving, kind, other-centered brain into a fearful brain by not trusting God. Right. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're talking about Jesus and about him being a restore, rest, rest, restorative agent. Mm-hmm. So what about everybody always brings up but Jesus was angry in the temple. What happened he when Je- the temp- yeah. Jesus came in and he just blew it apart. Yeah. He cleansed the temple. Yeah, that uh, you know. And, and it's kind of like wow, he's a little bit out of character. We, you know, we assign that 
explosive character to to Jesus and to God and uh-huh. and you know a lot of people say but that's what he is. And you know what I there's all there's something that I always would like to and I know when we get to heaven I'm going to ask a lot of questions but one of a one of the things that you want to remember as a rule is if if you're confused about what somebody says ask them what they said and then ask them what they meant by what they said. And so as I look into this thing here I'm not sure um uh, I'm not sure. Uh, what do I want to say? Um, as I go through this thing and apply it, it's going to be very, very clear. At least it's very clear to me. So let's break it down. Let's break down uh, what exactly. Because Je- Jesus always did something. He always had a purpose for everything that he did. And so, what was it that he cleansed out of the temple? Well, this is in the book of John, correct? Uh, yes. Oh, no, no, no. No, no, that's not in the book of John. Uh, what was what was it he cleansed out of the temple? He cleansed beasts, Pharisees, and money changers. Do you remember that story? Yes. Yeah, the beasts, the Pharisees, and the money changers. Right, and in the our book that we have, in chapter 3 and 4, we talked about what our human lusts are. Right. We have the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. So it's sensualism, egotism, and materialism, which is also in the Bible. Right. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. Right. So what did he t- chase out of the temple? First, what does the temple represent? Because we can't, we can't talk about this unless we understand what the, what the greater, what the bigger picture is. So what would the temple represent if if we're going to if we're going to make this reality into a metaphor because Jesus always did when he walked when he walked and he tossed the seed he was making a metaphor when he when he told all of his stories about the untrustworthy servant or the this it was all metaphors so when he goes into the temple do you suppose this might be a reality pointing to a metaphor pointing to a way greater reality so uh, the temple, what does it represent? If you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16, it says, And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. And hath God said, I will dwell with them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people? And if you go to 1 Corinthians six nineteen, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? which ye have of God, and you are not of your own. So if we're going to talk about the temple, what does it represent? The human heart and mind. The human heart and mind, mm-hmm. right? And so Jesus goes in, and he cleanses it. Now, question, is that what he wants to do to us? He wants For to cleanse, us? Yeah, he wants to cleanse our hearts and minds. Of what? Of our pride, our selfishness. Right, our, right. our pride, lust of the eyes, right. lust of the flesh, pride of life. He right. wants to cleanse because that's what kills. Right. That's what kills. You know, our, your your addictions are in those areas. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're a if you if you have a bent towards sensualism, you're going to be an alcoholic, a sexaholic, a uh, drug addict. Mm-hmm. That's a sensualistic addiction. If you if you if you have if your bent is towards materialism, lust of the eyes, you're going to be a shopaholic, a gambler, right? Those types of things. If your bent is towards egotism, pride, pride. What are you going to be? You're going to smash everybody da- on your way, climbing the ladder up. Right. And what, what, who, what were the religious leaders of Christ's day? What was their problem? It was pride. They already knew everything. Right. So God himself in human flesh could not convince those men he was God. Right. That's how closed-minded those men were. 
So know ye not that ye are the temple of God? We are the temple in the metaphor. The temple is the human heart. That's the temple that's been defiled. There's no other temple that's been defiled. Our temple has been defiled, though, hasn't it? Yes. With what? Beasts? Beasts, you know. Sensualism. Sensualism. Mm -hmm. Greed. The money changers. Right. And pride. Right. The Pharisees. Correct. Right? So that's what we're defiled with. So what Jesus did was he was real he was acting a reality out as a metaphor. Mm-hmm. So right. you see we have those three qualities that drag us down, and this is where we're tempted. And the more we engage, the stronger we become in these areas. And it's those things that that have always driven the human heart. It's always drug us down. Those right. three things. Mm-hmm. That's where and then that's where he was tempted in the Jesus was tempted in the wilderness by the devil. By those three, three, three things. Right. And Adam, uh, Eve was tempted by those three things. Remember? Right. Make you wise, looks good, and good to eat. Right? right. So what, uh, what's that? So Jesus, he's chased them all out. He chased them all out, right? From the temple and cleansed the temple. Right. And who's left? It's just the children. And the downtrodden. So that's interesting. How on earth can you chase chase people out of the temple and yet not scare the little children? Mm-hmm. Right, because everybody says he came in and he turned over the tables and he drove everybody out and he was angry. It was righteous indignation and he just blew it apart. But in reality, if you continue on in the passage, it says the little children came and sat on his lap. And as the so as the evil people were leaving, the ones that were innocent and they were looking for redemption were actually being drawn exactly. to Jesus. Exactly. And uh, I think that's sometimes we, if we have a, um, a picture of God where he's got a clipboard and he's running around behind us waiting to nail us, then we can become awfully afraid of God. And, and so, you know, the thing is, is I think that through this whole series, we are trying to look at that bigger picture. What are the principles that, that Jesus operated on? You know, in the book of John, it says, Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so when we look at Jesus's life, when we see those principles, we see that it's a restoration of the human heart, a cleaning of the human heart that he came to restore, not to destroy. He is there to... Um, to draw us back and to to redeem us from those things that have taken a hold of us. Yeah, and so is it a painful experience to have him come in and snip? We snip? know what it, what did I what, what I learned from a friend? Everything I ever let go of had claws marks on it, right? All over it, all over, because yeah. we just don't want to let go. And the thing is, is those things are the things that kill us. Yeah. But it's bec- and it's because I think we have the wrong picture of who God is and what He wants to do in our lives and our fear, our self sufficiency. You know, relying yeah. upon ourselves has blocked our vision to truly see the true light that is there in front of us. Yeah, Re- relying on ourselves to give ourselves self worth, right? To validate ourselves worth, self worth with a brand new big red. Con- red Corvette or something like that to make ourselves, you know. We're, make, we're making the things of this world validate. pump us up when we don't realize that it's the attributes of love, gentleness, kindness, uh, self-control 
are the things that that we're supposed to be operating on, not trying to be first or not trying to, you know, be in oblivion so you don't have to feel any pain or not trying to have everything you can grab so that you're on top of the heap. Right. Right. It's those that kneel down and wash feet that are heroes in heaven. Right. It's a whole different Every, paradigm. So we've talked about it before. Everything is turned upside Everything down. Everything is upside down. Right. They, they, uh, heaven looks at life in a whole different way right. than we do. And it's, uh, it's hard to grasp. It really is. You know, we're all trying to get ahead. We're all trying to look better. We're all trying to feel better. We're all trying to know more. We're all trying to make sure we have enough. Yeah. And uh, so it's a whole different world. Yeah. Um, so Jesus chases them all out and the children are left. And you know the text. You must become as little children in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. The metaphor is clear. If we allow him to come in and go deep and, to, and cast out all of that stuff that pulls us and drags us down, our, you know, our lust of our eyes, or, uh, you know, all, all that kind of stuff, we become as little children. We become teachable. Mm-hmm. And that's the main thing. Because right now a lot of us aren't teachable. You can't teach somebody that, already, that won't lay aside what they already know. Right. So what does it mean when the Bible says um, to let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus? Um, what, and what does it mean to be saved by his blood? Okay, because, yeah, because everything he does is to heal, right, right? Right, And so then it says if we look, and now, now we've laid some stuff aside, and we're going to look mm-hmm. at that, we're going to look through a new lens, right? Right. Uh, so it's, how are we saved by his blood? It's mm-hmm. a healing process. So let's go and let's see what it means. But I think that the best person to ask would be Jesus, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay, and he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, so what do you do when you eat something or drink it? You're assimilating it. Jesus is saying, unless you assimilate my character and unless I become a part of you, you won't be restored. It's not a legal process. It's a healing right. process. It's not a forgiveness thing. Forg- God is forgiveness personified. Yeah, you're forgiven. Right. The thing is, is are, you, are you changed? Are you changed? Right. Are you going to let him make you well? Right. You know, um, he's love. Right. And love was always going to do the right thing. Right. Somebody has the old story of, you know, what's Isaiah going to do when he sees... Was it Manasseh? Who cut yeah, him in half? I, I don't know, but, you know... Yeah, because they're both going to be saved, right? Right, because we know that Manasseh was saved in the end, right? And yeah. so what's what's Isaiah going to do when he sees Manasseh? Because he's going to go out and trim his fig tree in heaven, and, and God is going to say, hey, what's he doing here? And God says, don't worry, I've... Or Jesus says, don't worry, I've forgiven him. And he's like, I don't care if he's forgiven. I'll... I want to know if he's a changed person. Yeah. Are we changed people? Yeah. Do, do we want to live in harmony with the way God runs his universe? Right. Do we want to be givers instead of takers? Right, because on the cross, Jesus forgave those that hung him on the cross. And they died forgiven. Right. But lost. Not Well, some, of, some them, of them— Some of them were saved. Some of them, that melted their heart. Right. Uh, think about the two thieves. Mm-hmm. The one thief is looking, and, and according to the world's terms— the world's the way the world would look at the cross. Jesus was the biggest loser in the crowd. Right. 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 He's nailed to a cross. He's got this King of the Jews thing over the top of him. But what he says and does looks crazy to the world. But all heaven is rejoicing. Right. As he says, "I forgive you." That's crazy. And so the thief next to him says, 
and this is the this is the mind blowing thing. I'm with this guy. Right. I'm with the guy that doesn't look like he's doing too good today because I like what he just did. And I've heard about him. I've heard about what he's done in the past. And I like what he's done. And I'm with this guy. Mm-hmm. That's hard to do sometimes to be the guy that is not going to retaliate like Jesus didn't retaliate. Well, what's a saying that um, he's willing to die that I might live? Well, you know, all. What's that? But you know the the whole thing that Jesus is Jesus says I'm willing to die that you might live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, basically it is our our nature tells us right. that I will kill you that I might live. Jesus says I will die that you might live. Right. Yeah, because I I will do that. I will do that either either in my mind or whatever. My nature tells me I want to live so much that I will kill somebody else that I might live. Right. But heaven's way is I will die that you might live. Right. And so when he's doing that and when he's on the cross. It's amazing to heaven, and it's amazing to a few people in the crowd, and it was amazing after when the disciples looked. But remember, they thought he lost, too. Remember the two guys on the road to Emmaus? Mm -hmm. We thought he was the one. Right. But man, he didn't look like he did much, you know, and Jesus is walking with him, and he's talking, and the next thing you know, he's unfolding the true meaning of life. And that's the selflessness that he exhibited in his whole life. Yeah. And so that we just talked about God doing the right thing and he will always do the right thing have you ever had to uh have you had to have your mom go take you to the dentist and yank out a tooth yeah or take you to the doctor and have to get or you ever had your tonsils out yes did you get lied to before you got your tonsils out <laughs> you mean i'm just, saying, all I'm the just ice, asking all i know i, I, all I knew your cream, mom all but the I, ice cream you get to eat i think that a lot of moms tell that to their kids you're gonna get to have a whole lot of ice cream but when you wake up and you're throat is on fire the last thing you're thinking of is yeah ice cream's not on the no, not on the menu no okay so so in other words they did some extreme things right so that you could be healed right to do the right thing mm-hmm. and see god will do that and some many times he's misunderstood when when israel rejects him and he allows the babylonians to come in and and take him into captivity because he's he's trying to accomplish something. He's trying to bring a savior into the world. And if his and if Israel's going so sideways that they they end up going into extinction, then he's not bringing a savior into the world. So God's going to do whatever it takes. And sometimes it's bringing the Babylonians in. Sometimes it's uh, letting Nadab and Abihu suffer the consequences of their own actions. Sometimes it's allowing Pharaoh to have the gods that he worshiped come in and overpower him. Yeah, and that's exactly you know? what happened. Mm-hmm. God just backed off. He says, you want to worship frogs? I'll get up. They're going to multiply. Right. You want to worship the Nile? And and that's what happens to us in our lives. You know, yeah, you want to worship something, it's going to take mm-hmm. you over. Right. It's going to take you over and kill you. Because you become like, that. that which you worship and admire. Right. We become like that, you know? We just do. And it's weird. I mean, me as an addict, I always I always gravitated to the to the guy, the most extreme guy in the room to hang out with. You know, the guy way out on the edge. Right. Why? I don't know, you know. I that that guy's off his, you know, he's off the hook. Maybe I need to, you know, go hang out with him. I you know, I, why do we do that? So Jesus is trying to bring you back to a place of reason. Yeah, and 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 make him the center. Mm-hmm. And it's way it's really calm there. I mean, you're running into the devil a lot, but you have right. peace with God. Right. And having peace with God is what it's all about. He never promised peace with the devil. Right. 
never did promise that. Right. But if you have peace with God, then you have the fruits of the Spirit, and that world can't overtake you. Right. Remember, the devil came, and Jesus says, he's got nothing in me. Mm-hmm. He has no pull on any of one of my uh, lower nature pulls. Any of my human nature. Yeah. Right. He doesn't, he can't get to me. Right. And so, you know, that's where God wants us, where we're not, we're obeying the, the, the spiritual nature and not the carnal nature. Is the carnal nature there and is it good? Yeah, it's, it's good, but it's not good to have it rule you. Right. 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 And well, we're just about ready to close up again. This is, uh, like I say, this is the, the last program in the series. So I hope you enjoyed it. And once again, we want to let you know if you want to get the book, could it be this simple, the way out of your prison, give us a call 916-645-1297, or you can, uh, you can get us on our website, www.justasiamministries.com. And then also, uh, these programs are on our website. There's other resources there. Or drop us a line, send us an email, whatever, and, uh, and we'd love to talk to you and correspond with you. And remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle. And you have the freedom to choose. Do I love my neighbor? Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose. There truly is hope for people whose lives might be overrun with hard decisions, possibly caught up in unhealthy relationships, or even imprisoned by some form of addiction. Rich and Susan are living testimonials that biblical principles do work, and they've put together a workbook with Dr. Timothy Jennings to move yourself or those you love towards freedom. If you would like to order this new workbook, called Could It Be This Simple? The Way Out of Your Prison. Please call 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they are supported by people like you. 916-645-1297 or justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.